now here we go! Hello and welcome to Parents Just Don't Understand. We have a, uh, a full house tonight, and by full, I mean I mean two, two shillies. Uh, I am Kurt. And I am Denise. And tonight we are going to be talking about Disney's Frozen. How's it feel to be frozen? It, it, feels, uh, it feels good. It feels- Ice is nice. <laughs> so I actually just realized a little bit ago that this is the first straight up right down the middle Disney movie that we've done. We have done two uh, movies before, actually I guess three movies before that are technically Disney. Um, that being The Brave Little Toaster, technically a Disney movie, and then uh, Princess Mononoke and uh, My Neighbor Totoro uh, are now under the Disney brand um, since they are the distributors of uh, Miyazaki's films in the U.S. But uh, Frozen is the first of the right down the middle ones. I think we'll probably have some stuff to say about Disney as well, uh, them being one of the biggest companies in the country and I believe responsible for 60% of the uh, American box office over the last 12 months. Uh, And just a a really big um, part of the children's media, multimedia complex. Yeah, absolutely. They they are, I mean, if they're 60% of the box office, they have to be like, I don't know, 90% of the children's media that gets put out. I feel like mm-hmm. there's, there's been a little bit more over the past couple of years now that Amazon and Netflix are starting to produce their own uh, children's programming. Um, but I, I don't necessarily know that that's an improvement, but, uh, but we can talk about that. Uh, before we get there, uh, I wanted to give some updates about uh, the podcast and about uh, the Schiller family, actually. Um, so in a previous episode... Uh, I had kind of ragged on Marvel for not having particularly good children's cartoons. Um, and almost immediately after I said that, uh, our older daughter got really into uh, Squirrel Girl and Miss Marvel, thanks in large part to uh, Denise's machinations, um, I, I would say. Uh, you, you definitely got her started on that path. I think it was a, it was a, good, it was, it was a good call. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, she had been asking for a Barbie, but in her toddler speech says Garby. <laughs> um, and while I was at the store, I was looking and it was summertime. So the Barbies were all in their summer gear and I was just not not feeling it. And then I found this uh, Squirrel Girl box on the, um, you know, decked out in adventure gear. And she had a squirrel tail and she was on the Target clearance in cap. So I was like, I'm going to get this because... Um, she won't know the difference. She won't know that it's not a Barbie. Um, and she was wearing adventure clothes. And that's what we wear when we go out on adventures. So it was perfect. Yeah. And that was that was a really um, kick-ass decision because uh, so she got it at Christmas. And then um, we we wound up doing a couple things. Um, I took her to a, a comic book store. Um, and we got her a uh, Squirrel Girl trade paperback, which we have been using as uh, a, a material as a source of bedtime stories. Although I, I, I would mm-hmm. say I've been I've been uh, lightly editing in real time uh, <laughs> as I go, um, uh, and that 
but but the first bad guy who shows up in the Squirrel Girl comic is uh, Craven the Hunter. So um, Denise got her a uh, Craven the Hunter figurine off mm-hmm. of Etsy, um, which uh, I posted uh, some glamour photos of on Twitter <laughs> uh, because there was a night that um, I was asked to uh, tuck in and then give a kiss goodnight to Craven the Hunter, which which I did. Uh, <laughs> respect to him, uh, one of Spider Man's greatest nemeses. Um, but then we found uh, Marvel Rising, which I, I mean, we're definitely going to do an episode on that at some point. We should. It's, it's, good. it's really great. And I also just love seeing like, I love the fact that Squirrel Girl is like a regular proportioned woman. Like, yeah. like they're, they're still young women, but I like that, you know, she's shapely or whatever the whatever the right word is she kind of Um, her her attitude in the in the cartoon kind of reminds me of uh pam from archer also (laughs) the way that that that, that she she kind of talks Mm -hmm. (laughs) and also the the attitudes and the just general badassery of everyone from marvel rising um influenced me to apply for some uh designer license plates so um if the state of pennsylvania approves it my license plate will say um back off um in tribute to uh columbia no not columbia america chavez oh america chavez that's right i don't know why i said columbia i was thinking something else yeah because her motorcycle has the plate has the plate back off but yeah we'll we'll definitely um we definitely have a marvel rising episode um in the cards so um i'll i i think we'll we'll save our takes uh for that but if you're looking for uh kids superhero media that's actually like quite good um it's on both youtube and disney plus um there's it's kind of it's it's weirdly split between mm-hmm. the two but it's out there it's good there's probably like maybe two and a half hours maybe three hours of of content between like shorts and movies so uh, go check that out um and we did also spend new year's day um putting out a five pound bag of uh natural <laughs> natural peanuts for our squirrel friends so yes um, on the baby front, um, I, I would say our so our not quite one year old is starting to develop some opinions about things. She likes music. She doesn't care what kind of music, but she does this really funny dance uh, presently when when you play music, where she kind of like sits and like scoots forward in time with uh, the music. I'm trying to remember what it was that she especially liked. There was something. I, I forget if it was like Metallica or something that mm. she was very into when I put it on um, one afternoon. We've been watching. Oh, we've we've also been watching the Land Before Time um, sequels. Now that we um, fortunately slash unfortunately have Disney Plus, um, we'll definitely probably bring back hopefully Reese uh, for another uh, pass at those because I, I remember we were we were kind of we were kind of crapping on them, um, and I feel like they're they they haven't been as bad as I was expecting. Like they're definitely mm-hmm. not on the same par like artistically yeah. as the first one, um, but they're not like they're they're better than you would expect the like low-cost knockoffs to be they certainly are better and um i'm i'm looking forward to seeing the um the evolution of spike and if he ever actually learns to talk yeah because in in the third film he starts making like grunts and gestures so um but by the third film chomper is also already like talking so yeah, there's there's definitely a lot to go into there, and they're they're kind of they're weirdly all over the place in in tone. So I I, I feel like it would be it, it'll it'll be a fun episode. Um, probably the last thing is uh, I have a 
grip of podcast uh, guest spots coming up in the next couple weeks. Um, the one that will probably just have come out uh, as this episode is coming out is on uh, there's a Kevin Smith podcast run by some good friends of mine called We Need to, to Talk About Kevin. Um, and I will be, as uh, both a New Jersey native and someone who went to Catholic school for a couple years, going on to talk about uh, his religious comedy, Dogma, um, which uh, I'll, I, I won't spoil any of my takes uh, here that I deployed on that podcast, but uh, I'll post the link in the description. Um, they are uh, very funny. This is they're they're going in order through all of Kevin Smith's various films, uh, Clerks, Small Rats, Chasing Amy. Um, I would I would say it takes a a critical eye um, towards uh, the the work of the great American master Kevin Smith, uh, such such as he is. But um, th- Frozen, let's talk about Frozen. So uh, Frozen is the story of two sisters, Anna and Elsa, who are the princesses of the kingdom of Arendelle. Uh, and when Elsa is to be crowned the new queen after the um, loss of their parents in a, uh, a storm at sea, uh, Elsa loses control of long-hidden ice powers and plunges the kingdom into an apparently endless winter, uh, leading her sister Anna to try and save her and the kingdom. And that's kind of how it initially comes across, and that was certainly how I initially interpreted it. Um but uh, I think this has been, it, it was a very polarizing film, both culturally and politically when it, when it came out, which I, I think we can, we can get a little bit more into later. Um, Denise, how did you first encounter Frozen? Um, like every, um, every person in my age group um, who adores musicals and glitter and fancy dresses and above all, Adina Menzel. Um, I don't know that I saw it in the theater. I'm pretty sure I didn't. But we we owned the cartoon before we had children. And I I really loved the some of the themes of Frozen, which um, I took notes in my bullet journal to discuss, of really having like the um pointing out the naivety of the younger sister while also having that um the sisterhood role but then also Elsa kind of took over the parenting role um and then i think that one of the things that stood out to me the most was how the male character the male the dominating male character wasn't the dominating plot storyline of the film right the the like the primary plot characters of the film are anna and elsa yeah there's there's definitely um a quality to the older disney films where um even though many of them have female protagonists uh with with a couple exceptions i i would say like mulan doesn't totally fit into this but a lot of the other ones uh, the the female protagonist winds up kind of being like like an object that gets shuffled around by other mm-hmm. people, and like they remain the point of view character, like they they do have agency, but um like a lot of the big plot resolutions fall upon the the male ostensible like co star to do like like at the end of Beauty and the Beast all of the action is happening to and around um, mm-hmm. Beast and Gaston are, are, are fighting. Or at the end of uh, Pocahontas, um, uh, what, what's his name? J- John 
Smith, Smith. and wh- whoever the the governor is, like the the conflict winds up being between them and then be, between them and like the males in Pocahontas's tribe. So like it, they, while they are the point of view characters, like they don't resolve the plot, and that's 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 not mm-hmm. the case here. Right. Um, I didn't all, I also didn't realize it until recently until my girlfriend pointed it out. Um, she is a fellow Scorpio and she said, you know, well, I, you know, I really resonated with the act of, you know, when you're fed up, you just want to run away to the mountains and sing at the top of your lungs and do some (laughs) elaborate crafting. And, that is just the Scorpioist thing I have ever heard, and so I also just want to put it out there. I think Elsa's a Scorpio. <laughs> I I bet I bet that Disney has <laughs> determined when their birthdays are because El- Elsa is the older sister. What? Yes. Like they're not twins, right? Like she Correct. was born a couple years before. Yeah. At least in the in the parts of the film where it shows them as being children. I would guess that they're probably two years apart. That sounds right. That sounds about right. Yeah. That that checks out. Um, I want to talk about um, what, since you've given kind of such an, an impassioned uh, description of what resonated with you, I want to talk a little bit about what initially didn't resonate with me. Um, because although it's not in the same like bad faith way that a, a lot of, um, I would say like conservative media uh, received the film like I the the things that I didn't see I think are also the things that a, a lot of they are that they also are not seeing but um whereas I was like oh like I was wrong about this like they're they're shit and so can't can't do that <laughs> um my initial impression of Frozen was basically that the the emotional arc of the film didn't make sense um that uh like going into it, I felt like Elsa had what you were supposed to read as a a problem. Like she has these dangerous powers in a very like X Men sort of way. Like like oh, she has these powers that she can't control, and they are endangering the kingdom. And so I think my expectation coming into it, um, both as someone who grew up on that kind of media, and frankly as a dude, was just kind of expecting that to be like well. The resolution needs to be she learns to control her powers. And that's really not the focus of the plot. It's much more about um, people learning to react in a healthy way to that and to support her, I, I, I think is the way I, I might describe it now. Or or even the acceptance of yourself. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, the acceptance of yourself, the acceptance of like what what you need to be able to you know, live in difficult situations and what sort of support you need and the relationships with other people that you need to be able to rely upon. Um, whereas I was, I think, you know, if, if this were an older movie, um, and it, it was actually originally written, I, I think, in like the mid-2000s. Like the, the script was in existence and was reworked a bunch of times. And in the original one, um, Elsa was much more of a villain who had to be kind of like brought to heel by Anna and a dude protagonist in a very like Disney way. Um, and that's not the, that's not the film that, that you get at all. Um, and so I, I think the, the things that you Denise helped me understand were things like the relationship between the two of them as, uh, as sisters 
and me both as an only child and and as a dude um didn't pick up on that at all I, i don't know can can you talk about the i guess their relationship as as sisters a bit since it's 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 not something I am I am well positioned to uh, to go into detail on. Well, I think that in all like sibling relationships, uh, I mean, we were I was a latchkey kid, um, and my sister definitely did you know her her fair share of watching out for me. Um, I thought you were going to talk about um, the like Anna Anna's like naivety about falling in love and about how that kind of sinks in with the deep-rooted history of like Disney films and how um the whole like happily ever after and true love and um well I I mean so uh, to be perfectly honest like none of that even registered with me when I when I first saw it Mm -hmm. um and I I think that is one of the big things that explains maybe some of the differing reactions um, from, you know, what, what you might say is the audience that Disney has learned to speak a bit more aptly to, um, namely, you know, w- women and young girls, uh, as opposed to kind of the stereotypical audience that they were probably catering to earlier on, which was much more like, e- even, even if the audience wasn't primarily male, I, I think they were still writing very much from like a male cartoon point of view, even when, the stories were heavily about about women. So, like, I, I guess spinning off of what you said, like, I as a you know, I as a dude expected there to be a romance. Um, but for me, that was just kind of like the trappings of the story. Like, I wasn't expecting it to form part of the character development. And you're right, it it does. Like, one of the common criticisms that you hear, um. There, there was this big blow up about Frozen when it came out. Uh, I was originally going to have us listen to some some clips of it, but it, it was so aggravating um, for you. I think that we just kind of we just kind of like benched that idea. Yeah, I didn't um, want to do that again. So I'll I'll summarize kind of what the 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 crappy complaints about it were. Um, the the probably the biggest one is well, it makes it makes men out to be the villains um, because there's this uh there's this dude who is evil for no reason and he suddenly quote unquote turns evil which is which is just bullshit like no he's he's evil for selfish reasons right right he's his 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 evil is perfectly rational in the sense that he's he's trying to basically you know uh he's he's the youngest kingdom yeah exactly yes he's trying to steal the kingdom he's the youngest of a bunch of brothers so he's trying to like marry into wealth and power and then steal the kingdom um, his plan kind of ch- changes over the course of the film, but like he never has good intentions. And um, but I, I thought was especially silly about that was um, it was criticized by uh, there's this like right wing psychologist guy. Air quotes. Uh, air quotes. Uh, I mean, he he is actually a psychologist. Um, <laughs> but like like I feel like I can't totally deny him that, but. Uh, Let's let's just say let's just say uh, of of questionable conclusions about many things. Um, uh, named Jordan Peterson, and, and his complaint was, uh, well, in in fairy tales, there's a balance between good and dark. You have like the you know all these characters are very complex and nuanced, which which is nonsense. Um, there are tons of fairy tales where there is a uh, 
It's often called like a false husband, where there is a dude who's trying to marry into a kingdom to take over the kingdom and do away with the sisters, which is literally what's happening here. So um, I, I think we don't have the, you know, this, this isn't a folklore podcast, but uh, it, this is this is not a departure from, uh, it, you know, tra- traditional stories, although it is a departure uh, from the Snow Queen that Frozen was very loosely based on, I'll, I'll say. It. It made perfect sense to me, even the first time that I saw it, that uh, Hans was the the bad guy. Although they don't foreshadow it, which which is an interesting mm-hmm. decision. Like usually, like Scar in The Lion King, you know he's evil. He gets like a villain song even before he does his big villain turn. I mean, I felt like it was sort of foreshadowed, but it was more of the like, you're getting engaged to someone you just met? Because uh, Elsa and Kristoff both questioned it, and she had just met Kristoff. Um, and the it was funny and ironic because she just met him and was riding in a carriage with him to find Elsa. So Yeah, which is – and it, it's funny because people complained about that too, the, this this idea that like um, – This mysterious mountain man was now a safe person yeah. for her to interact with. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But like it's, it's just the, – the criticism makes no sense – on the face of it to me because like you you have a villainous dude who we know nothing about who the only reason that the audience is supposed to think that it's fine that they're suddenly getting getting married is because like that's what happens in fairy tales or Mm -hmm. i should say that's what happens in like disney stories um and then you have on the other hand a much more reasonable approach to relationships which is like oh well you get to know each other um, you don't just suddenly go, oh, here's my prince. I'm getting married. Um, and people were complaining about that too, that I, I, I don't know. It, I, I don't want to go too deep into trying to, uh, explain the, the justifications of, of like shitty people. Also like, um, Anna's able to like move through her like societal brainwashing through the course of the film to move to a point where she ultimately is the one that saves everyone. And that was something that I also, I felt resonated with me too, was the one who actually doesn't have powers is the one who saves herself and her sister and in turn all of Arendelle. I agree. And I, and I disagree also. Um, I, she has to, to to save the day. She has to grow as a person um, to understand like what she needs to do to support her sister rather than try to tell her sister what to do, which is basically what she's trying to do. It seems like for the first chunk of the film. Um, but I, I also kind of feel like Elsa also saves herself because she realizes what, she needs to do um or she she realizes what she has this relationship with her sister that she wasn't thinking about that uh, that kind of allows her to discover within herself what she needed to do to thaw the kingdom which is to focus on i mean ultimately i i felt like the big message that you helped me understand was that it's about the love that they have for each other as sisters rather mm. than an external love for a new person, which right. like Anna literally has a whole song about how like she can't wait to fall in love and she's ignoring the love that she already has for her sister. Right. Um, a point is specifically during that song, she's standing on a swing and every time it gets to that point, um, we have to tell Caleb, we don't stand on swings. <laughs> and now she started repeating that. Um, but yeah, I, th- I really think that this, 
that Frozen is one of the first times in Disney that a non-romantic love feeling was actually like out on display. The only exceptions I can think of are like grandmothers. A couple Disney films have like quasi magical grandmother type characters, but mm. it's not it's not the same sort of thing. It, it's like yeah, there, there's no um, there's there's very little in the way of like family love. Mm. Um, there is like I guess like ancestor love, which is which is n- different. Another one of my favorite parts of this film is just some like kind of like the other like pop culture references or like the little jokes that the kids don't necessarily pick up on but like we see them um and i particularly think that olaf is a like funny and interesting um like comedic relief in some of the like tenser bits of the film um and specifically in frozen 2 he has a couple of like very funny little scenes i really disliked olaf at first um did you think he was the jar jar binks of frozen yes yeah (laughs) um and i forget the name of the actor who who plays olaf um is it josh gad uh i'm not sure yeah uh, so it's it's someone it's it's someone um who uh i didn't particularly care for them as an as an actor um and it just felt so tonally jarring compared to the rest of the film mm-hmm. um but it has grown on me and there's actually a lot more i just realized that there's an olaf sitting on the table in front of us as we're recording this also a craven oh yes also also a craven also a jasmine cup uh, there's, there's a lot of disney uh accoutrement here paraphernalia on the table um but there's there's a lot the the humor that is in frozen is a lot more subtle than it is in a lot of the like the disney kids films like i feel like a lot of the humor in the disney kids films has gotten to be like reference based in in coco for instance um there's a couple depictions of uh you know famous people um, in the spirit world, like uh, Frida Kahlo, or um, I forget his name, but uh, there's a really famous luchador who who shows up that that adults would get, kids won't, and that's kind of like the the stereotypical like here's a joke for the adults type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Frozen's jokes like that I think are much much better written because like like Olaf will say these like kind of clever double entendres that I didn't I didn't notice at first, and mm-hmm. I, I now have no good example of, but. Um, it's it's a lot more more clever than I was expecting. Yeah, specifically his song in summer has a bunch of them, right? Where he's like rhyming, and you think it's gonna say like ass, and then it's a completely different word. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, but yeah, uh, I thought it I thought it was a good comedic relief, and you know what? The kids laugh when they're supposed to laugh, and um, it served its purpose. Um, I also wanted to talk a little bit about the the isolation that is kind of forced on each of the daughters as a part of the decisions of their parents. So um, one thing that I felt was really interesting being a parent is when they take Anna to the trolls to get help and they take away Anna's memories, they don't take Elsa's memories away. And... Of those same events. And I felt like that strengthened this wall that Elsa built between the two of them. I'm moving my hands around while I'm trying to discuss this. Because, you know, you have one sister who remembers everything. One sister who remembers, like, a 
a different version of it. And I feel like that's just kind of like a form of gaslighting. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm torn about the role of the trolls because as you say, their solution initially doesn't seem to be a good one. Um, the, the movie never actually addresses it though. And then later on when, when, when they show up, they're trying to convince Anna and Sven. No, not Sven. Kristoff. Kristoff. Thank you. I always say Sven, Sven is the reindeer. Um, not, not the human, uh, I, they they are always trying to like push them together and be mm-hmm. like like they they basically try to like shotgun marry them on They're the like, spot. Oh, that's a it's a it's a it's a female human. Yeah, exactly. And and it's weird that the it's weird that the movie never quite like like in a way I guess the trolls are kind of like a representation of like society pushing them together. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that I, I mean you can tell that they're not going to go through with it anyway. It's, it's, it kind of never comes up because Anna then like collapses at the end of the song. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is interesting that the, the, the trolls are kind of just portrayed as like well-meaning. And even though like, I think they're carrying out something that in its own way is every bit as toxic as, um, you know, the, the, the proposed, but, but never fulfilled, uh, relationship between, uh, Anna and, and Hans. Mm-hmm. Of like, well, yeah, as you say, like, well, here's a woman and here's a dude and they better get together. This this just makes sense. And this will solve all the problems. I'm I was really glad that the movie fakes out that. I, I mean, like Christoph really plays almost no role in mm-hmm. the resolution of the plot. He gets he gets Anna places um, and like helps her get to where she needs to go. But like he is not a coast a co-protagonist of the film the way that I think he would be in, in another Disney movie. Um, I think that's about all I have to say about the original frozen film. So, um, yeah. So the, in, in terms of the order of how frozen videos came into our existence, I guess was we, did we see the Christmas holiday Frozen before Frozen Two. Um, yes, I, be- I right believe before. we did, and then it wasn't until after we saw F- Frozen Two the first time that we realized that Frozen Fever um, even existed, um, which actually was really um, accidental on our part, but it was perfect and purposeful because we had just taken our older daughter to the movies to see it and she wasn't quite understanding why we couldn't just watch it again on the big tv at home and so we had this other thing that we could deploy um because obviously it's not out yet yeah and there's a there's there's a funny like art to keeping a kid interested without burning too quickly through all of the media Mm -hmm. like like we definitely consciously hold back some like we will we'll know for instance that there are a bunch of different spider-man cartoons we we briefly had a spider-man phase about three weeks ago um and we would watch a little bit of one and be like well if this continues we'll save these other ones in reserve rather than burning through them because like kids prioritize newness mm-hmm. a lot so if you're like oh here's a new thing they'll be like yes i want the new thing now they that might not stick like they'll right. eventually go back but it's much better than um this has only happened once or twice where it doesn't seem like there's anything that 
Kayla wants to watch and she just starts like totally losing it over she wants to watch something but but rejects all of the possibilities that 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 may exist and sometimes we're just like please can we watch something else (laughs) um I definitely have sort of gotten to that point with um bubble guppies bubble guppies is yeah it's uh it's that's a weird one. We should do an episode on that at, at some point. So, uh, Frozen, I think Frozen has a total of five pieces of media uh, uh, that go along with it. Because there's Frozen, Frozen Two, uh, Frozen Fever. There's the the holiday one, mm-hmm. and then there's the Frozen Lego. Oh, CGI that's cartoon. right. I forgot about that one. I actually quite liked the Frozen CGI cartoon. It's funny. It's got some references. It, it is on Disney Plus. Yes, it is on Disney Plus. Um, it's, it's got some references to stuff that, again, I can't remember what it is, but there's some like very like deep cuts, um, that you, you wouldn't, you wouldn't notice and you see them and you're like, huh, that's, that's funny. Like, like even, even in the realm of like parent references in, in kids movies. Yeah. I also thought it was really funny. Um, there was a couple of times in it where they played like the intro to let it go. And then the character, the Elsa Lego character was like, I don't feel like it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, My first complaint about Frozen 2, the intro previews before the film started were not good. And Kayla was so bored. She she like almost wanted to leave before the film actually started. What were the previews? I don't remember, but they were not entertaining. (laughs) That's probably why I don't remember. There was nothing she was interested in seeing. She was like, when are these commercials going to be over? Yeah, and kids don't always. Uh, it's funny because kids don't always really understand the difference between a show and a commercial, like like Amazon yeah. does the, those like pre roll commercials. And, and anytime still- there's something on the TV that she doesn't want to watch, she says, "This is a commercial, right?" <laughs> <laughs> Which so- is usually adult content because I have been watching a lot of Shit's Creek when uh, <laughs> she's not around. So we we each saw Frozen with her separately. You you saw it with her first, and then I guess was it the the next weekend or like a couple days later? I, I think it was the it. next weekend. Um, and it was funny because she was like, she, she didn't spoil any of it for me. <laughs> like she, she didn't, she reacted exactly as if it was the first time that she saw it um, and was still acting like, like surprised and scared by stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't know. What was your, what was your impression of the film itself? Um, I, I liked it. It met, it met my expectations, but also I got to sit with my feet up and eat a big bowl of popcorn. So my expectations were pretty low. Um, I was surprised that it, that it kept her attention the whole, throughout the whole time. And she didn't like, she has a tendency, like if she gets bored to need to, to say she wants to go to the potty or something like that, just because she wants to get out of her seat. But she did not get out of her seat. She didn't want to leave the theater at all. She was super into it. No, same. Yeah. And I I, I had to like goad her into going to the bathroom during it because I knew that she had to go because she was like squirming around and like acting mm-hmm. weird. Um, and she denied it a bunch of times. Then she did eventually go. Um, so, yeah, I, I thought it was I thought it was good. Um, I, it it was... hasn't stuck with me at the yeah. The same way, though. It was different than what... I mean, I wasn't expecting there to be any kind of a, like, cultural plot issues. I was... It was definitely deeper than what I was expecting. Yeah. Okay, so the plot of Frozen 2 is... It's kind, it's kind of convoluted, actually, but it's... Uh, Elsa is still the queen of, of, of Arendelle. Um, she hears this, like, ghostly singing... 
that leads her to journey to kind of the lost North uh, that you, you kind of find out that her family has a history with this, this like um, they're, they're an indigenous people to, to the North that they had some kind of a treaty with. And so the gang from frozen voyages up there and they uncover a bunch of uh, revelations about Anna and Elsa's uh, parentage uh, and about the relationship of Arendelle with uh, the indigenous peoples that surrounded and and were also um, on the land. I I somewhat lack the political language to to discuss this um, because they're they're the Huldra. I, I don't know. Yeah, the 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 indigenous people there um, are based on the the Salmi. I, I I think it is. It's like a Norwegian group. Um, and, and so it's not clear if like Arendelle, like, is like a colony from somewhere else, like non-indigenous people. It's, it's hard to untangle some of, some of the, the politics there, I I think. Yeah. It definitely seems that there is an appropriation aspect to it, right? That, and then the, the whole thing about the building the wall and damming the river and so that they could build Arendelle on the fjord and all of that. Yeah. It's so, so what, what you basically find out happened was Arendelle used a, a a public works project, a, a big dam to try to gain control of the land of this indigenous people to the north, that they they built the the dam ostensibly as like a gesture of friendship, but it was really designed to destroy their agriculture, basically, where they 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 wouldn't be able to support themselves, and then Arendelle would be able to take the land, um, which was not the direction I was expecting Frozen to to go, and then it gets even stranger. Where, um, and this is, this is where, like, I feel like I, like, I don't even know enough to have, to have an opinion on this, where it turns out that, um, and, and if you care about the plot of Frozen 2, I'm going to spoil it completely now. So if you care, just, just stop listening or skip ahead for two minutes or whatever, um, that Anna and Elsa's mom was a member of the indigenous group mm-hmm. that I, I guess like her lineage was like covered up or something some somehow she she snuck out what she got she made it out of the gray mist right and she saved the girl's father in whatever battle ensued as a result right so there's this yeah there's there's this like colonial injustice that anna and elsa's family are like are, are like responsible for but also their mom was indigenous and so it's like for 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 them it's somewhat complicated, but like I like I said, like I, I feel like we 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 lack the political uh, understanding of what was intended to really like go go deep on on that aspect of it. I did think that the depiction of colonization was was actually very good, um, as was the resolution of it, where like basically to resolve the plot. Um, like Elsa needs to destroy the dam, basically do like like eco terrorism to 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 restore the land, uh, which which was was a bold choice, right? I I really appreciate it because I feel like that's sort of a theme that we're dealing with now in real time, where we're trying to confront the mistakes made by previous generations and how do we correct those mistakes for future generations. Right. I feel like the fact that Anna and Elsa are themselves 
of like indigenous descent complicates it a little bit because they like clearly they benefited from it but i feel like the movie like excuses them a little bit the, the way that it ends uh i didn't like I, I have to say um so i i've been itching to talk about the princess industrial complex this entire time and the depiction of like princesses and and monarchies in disney films and it didn't bother me that much in frozen the the original frozen um but it really bothered me at the end of frozen 2 how the resolution was that now there are two queens one of arendelle and one of the northlands so it's like now there's like more monarchy and everyone is supposed to be really happy that now like they have uh monarchs ruling over them uh i thought elsa gave up her queen throne of, of arendelle but then she seemed to have become the leader of the is it the northaldra is that their name <laughs> our cat just turned on he uh, just activated the... my day daylight lamp yes that was very bright um yeah i i i thought uh, the way that i read the end of the film was that now she was like the ruler of the northaldra which I, I thought know. was weird. It just showed her like riding her water horse around with them. I don't know. I don't know that I I interpreted that as her now being their leader. I I think it was just that she had come to terms with herself and figured out what her true self wanted to be and her true self didn't want to be the queen of Arendelle. Her true self wanted to ride a water horse in the in the woods. And that was good and that was cool and <laughs> I did I did like that. Um I, I just think they should have made Arendelle uh, a republic or a democracy instead of f just like finding a new queen. Just that's all I'm saying. Um, I quite enjoyed Olaf's recap of the first film and adventures that happened. I thought that was pretty funny. He sings like a song or he tells a story, and it's very rambling in that typical Olaf kind of way that I felt was really entertaining and. I felt like I got much more entertainment out of that like three minute portion of the film than anyone else did. <laughs> that was really good. Um, I, there were a couple other, there, there were a few things that I did really like about the film. Um, I liked Kristoff's uh, like eighties rock ballad. Oh yeah, song. that was good. I wish they had leaned even harder into that. Alone though. in the woods or something like that. Yeah, like like they they start doing that that like that like big face. Yeah. Um like 80s rock video kind of like aesthetic. But what's weird is they didn't actually have any guitars in that song, I don't think. And like <laughs> I think that they could have just gone for it and just had him take out a guitar like huh? and, and just start like like shredding. Um I I thought that Into the Unknown was an okay song. I it didn't like it wasn't super powerful for me, but anytime we go anywhere that <laughs> has the ability to echo, Kalis goes into the unknown and she like says it, she belts it out really loud. So it obviously made an impression on her. The part that she absolutely lost it um, for when I saw it with her was uh, the Panic at the Disco cover in the end credits, mm -hmm. um, which, like, if anything, like, they're belting even more than the version <laughs> in the movie. Mm -hmm. um, and she was super into that song for, like, two weeks. Like, we just had yeah. to... I we constantly were listening had to, have to it a lot. Um, I liked... Uh, I don't know the name of the song. I, I liked the song where Elsa is, like, journeying into her past 
hmm, in yeah. like the glacier. That was a good song, but it was it's not really like like a singable like, and it's song. Not, and also at this point, like you and I have each only seen it one time, and we have listened to maybe a couple of the songs on Spotify, but beyond like it's not like Frozen One where we have seen it eleven bajillion times. What didn't you like about it? Um, the my cringe-worthy moment was when they brought up the idea of water having memory, and I just was like, "Oh, oh yeah. this is gonna go into like a holistic kind that was of weird natural path type road." And it, it didn't really, but I, but I did sort of groan when that happened because I I wasn't sure where they were gonna take it. That yeah, that that was a weird. That was a very weird thing to bring up because yeah, that's a very specific like weird holistic medicine yeah thing. That's like deep weirdo science. What was your least favorite part? My least favorite part was that a bunch of the characters were like totally extraneous. Like oh like, yeah, they had like like I get that they had to bring Kristoff along, um, because like he's part of the main cast. Uh, but like he really didn't have anything to do for the entire movie. He he was kind of like broing out with um <clears throat> like like a dude friend that he makes mm-hmm. uh in the North Country. Um, but like the plot didn't actually go anywhere. Like like his his plot is like trying to like work up the nerve to propose. Um, but it's very it, I don't know. It's like there there wasn't really any any payoff. They introduced a bunch of new characters that didn't really have have anything to do. It yeah. Didn't, like they tried to give them a character arc, but it, they could have just cut it and made yeah. the movie ten minutes shorter. Yeah, there wasn't. Um, I guess just in general, I felt like instead of there being like one big plot point, there was yeah. just like several little plots. And for me, I felt like it was a little bit confusing, but. In terms of like watching it with Kayla, it just kept there was things that just kept happening, so she was just super into it the whole time. So yeah, actually to 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 your point about it being confusing, now that I think about it, like I don't actually know if I could describe what what Anna's plot is in the movie because <laughs> she kind of is like at first Elsa says I'm gonna go by herself, and then Anna says no 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 I'm I'm coming with you, um and she does come with her. Uh, but then she doesn't really have, have anything to do. And then Elsa ditches her again. And then Anna finds her again. Well, and then Elsa ditches d- her again. So Elsa doesn't ditch her. She forces her away. Right? She puts her in an ice boat and ships her off down the river. But yeah, the, the ice boat was was funny. So I've I, I've had to explain that um, to Kayla a couple times where she's asked me, like, why, why did she do that? And I was like, well, because she was worried about her sister's she, well-being. Yeah, she was trying to protect her. Yeah. Sometimes we say that people are grumpy because (laughs) they didn't eat any breakfast. And that's just because we don't have any other way to really like relate to her because she understands like she knows that like sometimes when she's hungry, she's also grumpy. So it just makes it more relatable. So we'd just be like, "Oh, she did that because she was grumpy." But like, because she didn't eat breakfast. We 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 we've also done that in like the rescuers, where um I forget the name. Oh, there's an evil like an evil character, and she's basically like yeah, and she's like forcing Penny to like go down into a well, and it's like it's it's a little bit more complex than she's grumpy, but it's like no 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 she's just she's grumpy <laughs> she's grumpy I guess. Yeah. So it's 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 doing a lot of work um in in our parenting right now. Um oh, that's the other thing. 
uh, Olaf dies and then right. comes back, but like he has a death scene. Yeah. And that was weird. <laughs> it it felt was unearned. Ve- it was very sad. It was, but like, like it, it was, <laughs> it, it was so incongruous because like he's the comedic relief character. I know. I just feel like that whole, the whole part, the whole plot part, partial plot of Elsa pushing Anna away is that she has to again realize, well, I have to fix this problem my way because Elsa's going to go and do her own thing. So then, because, I mean, Anna, independently of Elsa, figures out that she needs to wake up the giants to break the dam to do X, Y, Z. You know what might have made it work is if um, is if Anna had like taken on all this guilt about what happened to the Northaldra or like if mm-hmm. she felt responsible for it. Cause like they, they kind of do that, but they don't really spend any time with it. Yeah. Um, Cause yeah, as you say, she's the one who resolves that situation. Um, and that, that might have been like a way of making it feel more like, more like she had stakes that then got, got solved at the end. Um, and 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 then again, it would be like an actual call to arms and like teaching a lesson, like like if you like if you want to fix this injustice that you have benefited from materially, you need to do something about it. You can't just be like, oh, that's so sad. I feel bad about that. Like like you need to get off your ass and yeah. get the rock giants to destroy the dam. Um, and then also listen listen to the voices of the people who are like there and that have been stuck in the mist and I I did like that um I feel like if this movie were made 10 years ago even they would have had this thing where like the protagonist would have been like no we don't believe you um and then they would have had to to like accept it like like they would have doubted the truth and I they really don't like like when it becomes clear that their their family basically was in the wrong they were like oh okay Yes, they yeah, were. Well, well, well. They took. Um, I mean, she accepted the responsibility yes. of it to make it better. Um, and that's where I just felt like it was. It was very timely for that. And I, I sort of feel like they squeezed that one in because yeah. that has been something in like the last you know two years of American politics, and it's just a thing that we all need to fess up to of like righting the wrongs of the past yeah again i i I would like to see the monarchy uh abolished though that would be that that would be nice yeah i mean i mean like elsa has ice powers like she (laughs) she doesn't also need to be queen um although like like again yes she does step down at the end but then but then anna takes over as queen like i don't know anyway um but but anna's like a regular person other than the fact that she's a queen yes (laughs) Closing closing thoughts, like, do you think it's as good as Frozen? I think that, no, I think I still like Frozen 1 more, but I, but also, you know what? I'm going to reserve judgment for when we own it and have watched it as many times if, as we've seen Frozen 1. That's fair. Yeah, that's, that's about how I feel. Um, I feel like it is a fundamentally messier movie, though. Like there, there are more point of view characters. There's more plots that it's trying to tang to 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 wrap up, and it just doesn't feel like it it uh, 
has the the time or like the energy to actually give everyone like a role in the story and and wrap it up. But do you feel like that is potentially purposeful to turn this into the next three part, four part film saga? I mean, they're definitely. I mean, pro- probably. Uh, they're definitely going to make a third one. This movie made so much money, um, like an absolutely astonishing amount and, of money. And I, I want to say that I, I don't believe your statement earlier about people that aren't were aren't members of families knowing Frozen was coming out. It was literally everywhere, like everywhere especially like around the holidays every store had all kinds even like even like women's clothing stores had specific frozen themed apparel i kind of feel like the the fact that like if if that was the case and they did all this plot stuff that they they didn't wrap up and they did that specifically to to make sequels i i feel like that is a problem or um, or spin-off or spin-off that's what i was thinking was oh. that there might be like a spin-off Disney Plus series, yeah, or something. But yeah, I, I, after it was over, and I thought about it, and I was thinking about the consumerism and the and all of that stuff. I was like, I bet all those plots were purposeful to have all these like secondary characters that we could now create a TV series based on. I could definitely see them making like yeah, the continuing adventures of Anna and Elsa. And one of them is with the Northaldra and one of them is back in Arendelle and they have to, you know, solve these, these, you know, parallel plots in each place. Uh, um, We could definitely do an entire Disney episode just about like the role that they play in like family media culture. Um, I have a lot of conflicting opinions about supporting them uh, like as a company and it's they're they're almost impossible to get away from like unless you literally want to like just write your own children's stories and only read those i mean even in our daily lives our our daughter's like preschool class is called the disney class and there's disney paraphernalia all over so even if we didn't watch it or imbibe in it at home she would be getting it full force at school yeah and I really struggle with the fact that, like, they are. I mean, to be clear, like Disney is is uh, very exploitative of workers, um, especially at their parks. Uh, they are um, their practices in terms of like making films available or not available for independent showing has really harmed a lot of a lot of independent uh, theaters. Actually, one one in Philly. Uh, the Ritz at the Bourse is actually just uh, just now now closing. Um, we 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 saw Rocky Horror there one time, mm-hmm. um, and in in part because like they're just not making as much money because it's harder for them to get those first run you know sh- sh- uh, films. And Disney is a big part of the reason why. And now the fact that they have their own you know st- streaming service, as nice as it is from a, like a practical point of view to have all this like here's all this Disney stuff all in, all in one in one place, um, it feels really crummy uh, mm-hmm. to be supporting that. But I I don't know. Yeah. Like I don't really like I do know what to do to solve that, but. Um, uh, it'll be a process. I don't know. Damn the man. <laughs> I would like to talk about Frozen Fever a little bit. I'm a little bit disappointed that it 
was only like a four or five minute long short. Yeah. I thought it was pretty good. And I thought that it could have been um, longer, I guess. So, um, yeah. Do you, do you want to recap the plot of uh, Frozen Fever? Yeah. it's um, It occurs somewhere between Frozen 1 and Frozen 2. Um, and it is Anna's birthday. And so Elsa is doing all of these wonderful things in celebration for her birthday. But it turns out that when she wakes up, she's not feeling so hot. So she's trying to push through it. But just over the course of the day, Elsa gets sicker and sicker and sicker. And then ultimately, and then uh, every time she sneezes, she creates some little snowmen. I thought it was funny that um, Elsa being sick kind of makes her act like she's drunk. Yeah, that was a little strange. But like, like I kind of get it, but it was also, it was also, she seems very sick. If that is the case, <laughs> well, she's a Snow Queen, so she gets sick in a different way. I like, um, I like the stuff that they give Kristoff uh, to do in these shorts because yeah. he becomes much more of the comic relief in both this and the Frozen Holiday one. Like in the Frozen mm-hmm. Holiday one, he sings this whole song about, is it called like Le- Flemmy? Oh yeah, F- like, like Flimmy the holiday troll or something. Yeah, and it's like a pile of like moss and, and like rotting vegetables. Yeah, mushrooms. Yeah, that he then cooks like into a stew, and, and everyone is like di- like disgusted by it. Um, and then what? What does he do? Oh yeah, he's he's trying to organize the the party. Yeah, he's helping set up for the party, but then it it becomes a a like a corral situation of all these like tiny snowmen that he's trying to keep from ruining the party. Yeah. Um, and then um, Olaf is helping. So it's just, just a very like comedic, it's, it's a cute little short. Um, and there is uh, a very funny part that Kayla doesn't quite understand where she, Elsa is, Anna is trying to get Elsa back to bed, but she says, oh, but we have to blow the birthday horn. And she sneezes into the horn and accidentally blows a giant snowball that goes all the way down to the Southern Isles and hits Hans into a pile of manure. And so Kayla always goes, why did she do that? (laughs) And we have to say like, oh, it was an accident. It is funny that they, they put some thought to to following up because i i think they even mentioned that in the original frozen that like he's gonna have to like clean out the stables i oh. believe or mm-hmm. or they, they either say that specifically or, or they just say like i'm sure your brothers will have something to say about about yeah. this um and so i it, it it is funny that they thought to like check in with him and show that he was uh you know doing a literally herculean task of cleaning out um all this this horse shit. and they also show him in um frozen 2 as like an ice thing as part of elsa's memories and she like punches it oh that's right and it falls down yes that, that was <laughs> that was funny so um but yeah so if you haven't seen it i think it's worth it it's only like five or six minutes but um if you have a four-year-old just be prepared to watch it over and over and over many times in a row and because of the different licensings licensing or whatever uh frozen fever is available on amazon and not on disney plus um i will say that the um the little golden books version of frozen 2 um reading that as many times as we have leads me to uh a couple of different like it focuses on a couple of different story plots versus 
the other. Like, I didn't realize that the water horse had, like, a, sp- a specific name. It's called, like, a Nyack or something like mm-hmm. that. And that the the act of Elsa running into the water was her battling with the horse. And that it turns out in the book, they meet a point of mutual respect. And that's how she's able to like ride the water horse to get to the iceberg. But in the film, it seems like she's breaking it. Like she yes. like the way like you break yes. a horse, you train a horse. It that's what it felt like in the film. But reading this book, it, it I think it specifically says they come to yes. a point of mutual respect. Well, they, they they also don't mention um <laughs> the like attempted genocide of an indigenous population. They they like they kind of like allude to like well they they were being me. I, I'm not yeah. even sure like what they say. They they don't talk about. They they go to the boat. Uh, that to be clear, like their their parents died in, um, and they're like they uncovered some details about <laughs> their parents. Yeah, we're not gonna say what. <laughs> Uh, it was definitely very clear that whoever made the little golden book was like, I'm just given these like couple of scenes and I just got some, I got to put some words. I don't actually know what's happening. Um, but yeah, so I, I do think it's funny when you bring like the different pieces of media together to see, cause yeah. I feel like the, I feel like the book for Moana, the little golden book, Moana book, um, was similar where it, it like said some things that were a little bit different. Like, I don't know that we knew what grandma's name was. Uh, I don't. Yeah, I, I don't. Until we, we read do. the little book. I don't think yeah. you learn that her name is Tala in the film. They also um, they also. Yeah. In in the Moana little golden book, they skip the part where like Maui is like, you can't do this. You need to go back home. Right. And, and they're just like Maui got sad. <laughs> And he went off somewhere else, and then he came back, and it was and everything was fine. And they also like like instead of like a battle at, at the end, she's just like, oh, oh, here's your heart, here's your heart, here it is. <laughs> Anyways, all done. This isn't about Moana. Yeah. But, anyway, but yeah. So um, so yeah, there's just a lot of different pieces of media. Um, I will say, um, going into Frozen Two when we had just seen the trailer, I think that some of our ideas were more interesting than some of the stuff that wound up in there. I yeah, I was hoping that they would find their parents. Yes, I was expecting them to not actually be dead. Yeah, and I was also because there was all of this like fire imagery and Anna has that like reddish auburn hair. Mm-hmm. I was hoping or I was thinking that it would turn out that like you know, she would be the yin to Elsa's yang, and that and that it would be like the, maybe you know Anna has fire powers, but she yes. had to like unlock them somehow. And um, and I definitely was one hundred percent wrong. I feel like I'm usually good about guessing plots. I actually don't. I I would not say you were one hundred percent wrong because they do have a whole thing about how Elsa is only one of the four elements. Yeah, and there is a fire creature. They just which is didn't a pretty in- cute little salamander yes, or something. Which was adorable, yes. Um, they, they just don't include Anna in that plot. Yeah. I feel like at some point in the scripting process that that was considered. It, mu- it must have been. Yeah, because there was a bunch of parts where it's sh- it's like very purposefully shows her like hair blowing in the wind and the <laughs> sun is setting and the sky is all orangey and there's some beautiful like 
red leaves flying all around and it just felt like something was happening oh but. you know that 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 actually reminded me of of um something that was a criticism i had and, and have still of the original frozen that i actually think they they did a lot better in frozen 2 um in the original frozen i feel like you don't get much of a sense of place for arendelle the city like like they they leave it so quickly and you see so little of it that like whereas you know in um in most of the of the Disney films, there's often an entire song about where it takes place. Like in The Lion King, they have that that whole long "I just can't wait to be king" where they're like walking through the Pride Lands. You see all right. the different parts of it. And in uh, Beauty and the Beast, there's Bonjour, Bonjour. Right, exactly. While she's walking through town. And then Mulan has the the whole like uh, getting ready for the like wife selection yeah. thing where they're like walking through town. And and in Frozen One, I felt like you see the inside of the castle. You see, like, one bit of the courtyard, mm-hmm. and then you see, um, like, Elsa's castle and all this stuff. Um, and in Frozen 2, they actually spent a lot more, I felt like, showing you both Arendelle and then showing you the, like, the, the north country. Like, you actually, like, mm-hmm. I actually, I actually felt like I had a better idea of the geography of, of yeah. where it was taking place. I think also in the, the holiday edition, because, like, Olaf and Sven are going to all the different houses to talk about family traditions. Uh, and there was a part that was very funny in the holiday edition where they talk about like the awkwardness of like cutting down a tree. And he, he says very candidly, um, uh, put lit candles on its carcass or yeah, some, yeah, something yeah, that, like that. That was funny. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was, there was, there was another joke about like, it's, it's weird that Santa like breaks into your house too. That yeah. was, that, that was funny. But, um, well, that's that's all that I had to say about about Frozen and Frozen Two. Do you have any any other f- closing thoughts? Uh, I definitely think it's worth seeing. Um, I don't think it's the best thing I've ever seen, but I do feel like um, the Frozen industrial complex is still growing, um, and I think that Frozen Two was a an open door to the future possibilities of more frozen content i just want to emphasize that like if you are a dude and you saw this or you have some rough idea of the plot um and you're like i don't really get this this is just kind of seems like it kind of sucks um it's it's entirely possible as it was with me uh before denise kind of helped me better understand the movie that you're just totally missing things that like aren't written from your point of view and as a dude, it's a, it's a different experience, I, I think, to see media that you expect to be speaking to you, but then isn't. Um, and it's easy to dismiss it uh, and be like, oh, like this is bad or like it doesn't make sense um, because it may just be a point of view that you don't you don't understand and you haven't been equipped culturally to understand, um, in which case uh, maybe listen to someone who is better equipped to uh, pick up on everything going on and then thank them profusely. Thank you, Denise, um, for being patient about that. Because like I said, I, I was pretty dismissive at first at first and I am not now. Uh, so I'm going to, I'm going to close there. Uh, thanks for listening to parents just don't understand. Uh, thanks for, uh, sticking with the podcast. It's been a couple months and, uh, you know, we're, we're getting some, we're definitely getting some, some subscribers and we appreciate all of you. Um, and, uh, stay tuned for more, uh, more cool stuff. We definitely have some cool stuff planned for the next couple months. Yeah. And, uh, hit us up on 
yes, the social us, medias. Yeah, hit us up on Twitter. We are Parents Pod on Twitter. We have a uh, a Facebook group that we really need to to do more to to get get active again. Um, and uh, you know, if you have suggestions on things to cover, or you just want to yell at us for our bad takes, uh, or you want to say good job for our good takes, uh, hit us up on the old social media, and uh, we'll probably respond in a mostly polite way. So. Uh, thanks, everyone, and cheers. Cheers. My power flurries through the air into the ground. My soul is spiraling in frozen fractals all around. <laughs>